Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season three episode of the show titled Not Kansas. And since we don't have any news this week, let's just get straight into the discussion of this episode. So here is the official description. Quote, Kara makes a major life decision. Meanwhile, Jean finds out that special DEO caliber guns have hit the streets of National City, unquote. So very short description. Usually these are a little longer. This was two sentences. That's all you needed to know. Those were the the big major uh, plot lines in the episode. Nobody had a shocking secret. Not a shocking secret, but a major life decision. That's true. That's maybe not on the same level as a shocking secret, but it is a, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, Morgan, what did you think about Kara deciding, hey, I'm, I'm going to go back to Argo and maybe try living uh, with the Kryptonian people for a while? What, how, did, what, how did you feel about that? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> we were chatting a little bit right before we started recording this podcast, and I said... If you had told me that the writers came up with the idea to just like plop Argo City in the back, like in the last couple episodes of the season, like at 4 a.m. when they were like caffeine deprived, I would believe you. It feels like I I know that we had, um, you know, they, they recast Allura. So obviously they were going to do something with her character and they had her in the premiere and uh, a couple of the episodes this season. So clearly they were going to do something with her with Allura this season. So that was obviously part of the plan and yet if you had told me that there was no plan for this Argo City thing and they just came up with it out of nowhere I'd believe you (laughs) and I think that's kind of a uh, that's a pretty bad sign I just feel like this this Argo City thing is such a huge huge character moment for Kara and Supergirl to find out that her mother is alive that She's not the only Kryptonian, her and Cal aren't the only Kryptonians left alive, that her city is still there. And yet I felt like I didn't connect with those emotions at all in this episode. I, Her decision to go back home, maybe forever, question mark, shrug, <laughs> <laughs> happened in the first maybe four minutes of the episode, like right after she was like, okay, took care of Rain, <laughs> goodbye. And I was like, I'm so, so sorry. What is happening? <laughs> like her goodbye to Lena, Kara's goodbye to Lena happened during a music montage. <laughs> 
we don't even know why she's going goodbye. I had to pause it. And it was like, there was like a banner that was like, good luck on assignment. Yeah. Because no one understands how journalism works who writes this show. And I'm fine with that. I've come to a place of acceptance with it. <laughs> but, but it was so poorly explained why she was making this huge decision that it felt like she didn't have to make. Like she didn't have, no one was like, listen, Kara, you can only be in one place like <laughs> you can't visit argo city you gotta go and stay <laughs> like they were acting very dramatic about it and i was like why doesn't Kara just go visit argo city yeah see what up and then come back <laughs> she can she can split her time she could be like a snowbird where like she <laughs> pieces out for the winter perhaps <laughs> goes, goes to the beautiful climates of uh of argo city where everybody just wears flowy clothes like they're in a 70s cult <laughs> like i just <laughs> i was so confused overall by the argo city thing and i was also confused because i felt like this is a huge thing that her her people and her mom are alive. Did she spend more than two scenes with her mother in the whole episode? Well, I mean, Allura was present in scenes, but technically it there. she was technically <laughs> present and available. Like we, got, we got more about the gazebo her friend was building <laughs> than we got about Allura. And listen, like... I'm on record. Erica Durance is not my favorite actress. I'm literally like, why isn't she in this more? (laughs) (laughs) You have made a storytelling mistake when that is my reaction. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Um, I think that you're onto something about the way that this season has sort of unfurled itself. Because this week's episode, it felt a lot like a season finale. You know, they they fixed the rain business. Sam and Rain have been separated. Uh, Car decides she's going to leave Earth and she's going to go to Argo. This all seemed like maybe it could have been a season finale. And honestly, I think that would have been a great way to go out of the season because then season four could have been hanging out in Argo City all season. Yeah. It could have been the Argo City season. I would have been totally into that. It could be, it could have been a whole like new Krypton's uh, storyline on all next season. So I don't know. It just seems very very strange. I do think that they set up the Allura Argo City thing way early on in the season. The premiere episode had her in that dream, and they kind of teased it a little bit. So I think that they they earned the fact that she showed up. But this whole, like, Carl wanting to go back and live, and, and I agree, like, I live in a different city as my mom, actually a different state, but sometimes on the weekend, I'll go and visit my mom. We'll hang out for a couple of days, and I'll come back to my home. It's not a big deal, and especially if you have, a, <laughs> if you have like, a spaceship and you want to go in interstellar travel, you can do that, of course, by the end of this week's episode. Kara doesn't have the spaceship anymore, and Jean is going to be really upset. I mean, if Jean does not ground her, I don't know what is happening on this show anymore. <laughs> like, you borrow his, his, his classic car, and then you just leave it there. I don't want to be there in that scene where she has to face, face the music about the, the ship. Um, <laughs> the one thing I did like about this whole car wanting to leave Earth and, and going back to Argo City was that they... They really hit on the idea of home for Kara. Um, she talks in this episode about how Argo felt like home and 
um, it made me think of the Midvale episode. Yeah. Where, where Kara says, you know, or she's talking about Earth and she says, this is never going to be home. I hate it here. And um, she, and she even says, uh, I think it's probably at the end of the episode, I can't remember now, but she tells Alex, you know, I feel at home with you. So she associates home on Earth with Alex. And here she is in this week's episode associating home with Argo City and her mother. And so that was, I was really split on that because on the one hand, I really like the idea that Kara gets to have a future with her mom and with her people. I think that's great. But it was also really, really heartbreaking to watch Alex lose her sister. And not only did she lose her sister, Ruby went back to hang out with her mother. And on this bond that Alex has been developing with Ruby, she's lost that too. And I just, I felt so bad for Alex because all of these people in her life were leaving her. And so it was just, it was really tragic to see how this idea of home got flipped in Kara's world, that she now associates home with Argo and not so much as with Alex anymore. So I was, I was really, uh, I, I was impacted by that because I felt like they kept hitting it over and over and over again. Yeah, I thought the scene between Alex and Kara was was really great, was probably one of the highlights of the episode and was something that was really, I feel like it's been a little bit lacking, at least in the back half of this season, is the sister relationship, which I think is like the, really the heart of the show. And having that scene where Alex is saying goodbye to Kara was so, so heartbreaking. She's been, Alex has been through so much this season. And then to lose Kara too, uh, was just so sad. But I, I mean, and I think, I think they were playing on the ideas that they brought up earlier in the season of her Supergirl and Kara and her identity and how, you know, she's not just split between Supergirl and Kara. She's also split between Krypton and Earth. And there's never been, uh, you know, there's never been an option to go back to Krypton and go back to that life. And now suddenly she has it. I just felt like the themes were there, but the execution was off. I felt like that in a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff in this episode where it's like I got what they were getting at. And thematically, it made sense. But like the execution was so poor that I was just kind of left scratching my head at like, I see what you're getting, you're trying to do, but you're just not even close. Uh, and I also thought like the, um, just, this is just going to be me complaining for like an hour. That's but, okay. Uh, I feel like we both need to do that yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we just got to let it out. This is our therapy <laughs> session with this episode. But, um, the, the rain thing was so anticlimactic. You knew that it couldn't be over. Because you really, they're going to dismiss the season-long villain in the first two minutes of, like, episode not even the finale. <laughs> so so I was, like, sh I was scratching my head. And then the idea that after she's been an evil world killer for episodes now, they just let her go home unsupervised with a child. <laughs> I, I was, like... I just don't, I mean, maybe, maybe John is right. Maybe the DEO should not be in charge of anything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're not up to the task uh, at hand. Yeah, no, I, I thought that that was a little silly. They, they, I think they got a little too confident. They were like, well, she's talking about aspirin. She's watching Singing in the Rain. She's <laughs> fine. She's fine. 
Yeah, that that was a. I think you know that's probably going to turn on them later, and I'm a little scared for Ruby now because uh, nobody is there with her. You could they could have at least sent a DEO agent or somebody. I don't know. Like they had her trapped in like a a super villain like uh, case for weeks now, as she's been like Rain has been like taunting them, and then as soon as supposedly rain is gone they're just like well you know what blood work checks out go home (laughs) (laughs) you would think that they would have her under observation or have maybe ruby stay at the deo while they run a bunch more tests i was just it was like a bridge too far for me that was i was like are you joking yeah, it was it was a little ridiculous, and I'm I'm very curious to see what is happening there at the end of this episode because we we got to see more of our friend Thomas Coville, who is our our favorite weirdo cult leader on this show, our, our fave cult leader, our, our fave cult leader. Um, he is I guess bringing Selena. Selena stole the ship. Uh, she's gonna have to answer to Jean on that one. Uh, she's she's bringing some other witches with her, and they're coming to Earth. And she created a new fortress of sanctuary, so she's she's setting up shop. She's gonna do something. I don't know. I'm excited about that. That's kind of the one thing that's really keeping me interested and engaged in the this this last part of the season. Yeah, I'm really excited about the Selena stuff. Although I was I laughed real hard at how quickly her like follower folded. Oh, like she gave up so She's easy. Like, <laughs> she was like, "Oh yeah, Selena's our our <laughs> boss." And Car was like, "Selena?" And she was like, "Oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said that." <laughs> <laughs> I gave up so easy. Oh uh, man. Yeah. Life really is chill here. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten too used to things. Yeah, she she folded on Selena pretty quickly. Uh but yeah, I was I was glad to see that she's still up to no good and that someone someone is still a villain on this show trying to do something. Although it seems like Rain could be coming back. I don't know how, I don't know why. Uh but I'm very curious about it because I think that, that that's a little that's a level of intrigue that I think has been missing here lately. Uh that some something should be driving the the rest of the season. So Looking forward to seeing uh, more of that. And so, all right, so we we talked a little bit about Kara going back to Argo City. And when she goes back this time around, because she's kind of been bouncing back and forth. She's just been kind of road tripping back and forth. This time around, she is reintroduced to her childhood best friend, Thara, uh, who we got to uh, meet in this episode. What did you think about Thara and the, and the things um, you know, and all of the Kryptonian things that the car was kind of in, engaging here in this episode. She was she was relieved that she didn't have to use her superpowers. She could just be herself and hang out with her friend and uh, her friend's family. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see Thara. Is Thara a uh, a comic book character? Oh, Morgan, I have so Uh-oh. much to tell you. <laughs> okay, so um, in season zero of Supergirl Radio. Teresa Giacino and I read a whole bunch of Supergirl trade paperbacks to kind of, you know, study up on the character and learn some things. And the uh, the big chunk of stuff that we read was the uh, Sterling Gates run. And of course, I mean, Sterling Gates, great writer, friend of the show. Uh, we love his work here on Supergirl Radio. Uh, he wrote uh, a book called Friends and Fugitives. And in that book, you kind of get to know uh, Thara and her relationship with Kara and their friendship. And uh, you get to see Thara and and how she is, um, 
Uh, here, what's a what's a not complicated way to explain this? She is very uh, religiously motivated, and Kara thinks that she believes in a fairy fairy tale and all this kind of stuff. Well, the the thing that um, Thara believes in is this thing called Flamebird, and it's this it's this thing that they think is a fairy tale, but it turns out to be true. And Thara actually becomes this character named Flamebird, and Flamebird and Nightwing are associated with Candor. And uh, Kara has actually assumed the mantle of Flamebird as well. So it's kind of cool that Kara and Thara are sort of intertwined. And it's, it's really cool uh, that they have this friendship in the Kryptonian, you know, uh, part of Kara's life. And so here's, here's some history um, for Thara if you want it. Uh, Thara was created by James Robinson and Renato Gates, I'm guessing, G-U-E-D-E-S. Uh, she first appeared in DC Comics in Superman number 681 from December 2008. Um, and so it was it was neat to kind of see this character from the comics that I had learned about, you know, going through Supergirl's history. So I was like, oh, my gosh, did they say Thara? Like, that's kind of a deep <laughs> cut. Like, it's a deep cut. It's not a character who's very well known, but it's an important character to uh, the character of Kara. And so I, I, I thought it was cool that with all the other stuff in this episode that I may not have enjoyed as much. I really liked getting to see Kara's childhood best friend. Yeah, I had a feeling she was uh, she was someone from the comics, and I was like just not familiar with her. Um, so yeah, that is really cool that they they brought her on for this episode. If you're gonna have her on there, let her become Flamebird. That would be awesome. I'd be so I'd be so into that. Uh, I don't know if they'll go into that whole Kandorian Flamebird Nightwing thing, but. I would be totally into it if they did that. That would be awesome. And I mean, I feel like right now Argo City just seems like a place that has um, the Epcot ball and a lot of plants and uh, apparently really shoddy gazebo work. So <laughs> I, I would be really excited to see uh, more like Kryptonian mythology and more crazy stuff happening in Argo and less uh, soft pastels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thara <laughs> is like their chief peace officer. So everything has been real chill. Everybody's been really cool with each other. And then all of a sudden when Kara shows up, things have started falling apart and people are spying on her and trying to kill her. And uh, so it's uh, it's funny how when Kara shows up somewhere, things get a lot out of control. But it was neat to hear like some of the history of uh, what Kara had been studying. She has some certificate of Kanar on, which is a Kryptonian rite of passage. Um, and Kara had to study really hard to, you know, get that certificate. So I, I liked learning that kind of thing. Uh, so that was enjoyable uh, for the Argo City bits in this episode. Um, the one thing that I know neither of us really wants to talk about, but I think we need to, um, it just oh, for, the, no. for the sake of <laughs> being a completist, being thorough, being thorough, talking about everything. Um, I, I'm curious what what are your thoughts about the fact that Monel uh, fessed up with his feelings and told Kara what what he was dealing with and his real motivation for coming back. Uh, and how do you think that Kara is dealing with that? Oh boy. Uh, I feel like I have more involved thoughts about that gazebo. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I really want this gazebo to turn out to be a major plot point 
in the back half of the season. Like maybe it's an evil gazebo and that's why it's facing the forest. <laughs> I'm I was I'm I've gone real deep on the gazebo because I don't want to deal with the car and Monel stuff. It's not my favorite. So on the Monel sliding scale, this week, is there something worse than Mon negative? Is my question. The the scale really took a nosedive. <laughs> the scale, I mean, the scale has just gone all the way to the bottom. I think it imploded. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we have a scale anymore. I think There's it's no gone. Left. Um, oh, geez, Monel. I was trying. I was trying so hard with you. Um, <laughs> I So first and foremost, I feel like, Kara spent more time with Monel in this episode than she spent with her own mother. Uh, and considering she just found out her mom didn't blow up, uh, I resent that from a storytelling perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Monel, I mean, yes, there was like a MacGuffin that Monel had to get on Argo City, but like the reason for it, like, her bringing him as opposed to just going herself or maybe bringing somebody else, like Alex. Uh, just felt so strained so that we could get to this love triangle romantic place with the two of them that like I just I didn't want to go to and I was hoping against hope but I saw it coming and uh, I was just so unhappy when it started to go in that direction I was like oh no they're both wearing soft pastels and they're walking <laughs> through a flowery field. This is not going to go my way. Um, I just, it's, the whole thing is so ridiculous. Why, if they wanted to put these two characters back together, why did they have him have a wife? I don't understand it. It's such a bad choice on so many, so, so many levels. And then he was just kind of like, my wife said it's cool. <laughs> what? That's not what she said. <laughs> I just I feel like there was I don't know why Kara seemed I don't know I know that Kara definitely had a, strong feelings for Monel and thought he was dead for like half the season and that's got to be tough uh, but also he's like still married so there's that I feel like that would be a bigger drawback for me it was weird the way they played it because it looked like they might have kissed before the Kelexi-looking robot came in and tried to kill them. Uh, she was, like, touching his beard and all this stuff. And I was like, well, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Soft beard caresses are happening right <laughs> think, now. Think about what you're doing. Step back from this. I don't know. I'm really... I just think they have to know that if they put car in a situation where she has an affair with a married man it's not a great look let's just say that people will flip i will flip out like i'm pretty together and chill about things like i can take different uh storytelling uh methods i can go with different interpretations i'm pretty relaxed when it comes to that kind of stuff as long as she tell a good story we're good i can go with it but there there's a line at some point where you can't have her cross that i just and still want me to be on her side i think is the issue really are we supposed to be rooting for the affair that's what i want to know it feels that way and i'm not <laughs> 
So I feel like I have a little cognitive dissonance with what the show wants us to feel and like what I actually feel, which is not, I mean, that happens sometimes, but also it's not Supergirl having an affair with a married man. So I feel like I'm maybe more on the right side of this one. (laughs) I mean, I was pretty mon positive in this episode until that happened. Like I liked that he got to reconnect with that little boy Val. I thought that that was really cute. He made a little friend there in Argo City. I liked that a lot. And I liked that he was supportive of Kara. And he initially said, you know, I don't want to bust up in your your homecoming. I don't want to, you know, uh, be in the way. And she was the one who invited him. Because I think at that point, Kara was still like, hey, you're my friend, Monel. Not a big deal. You can come with me. And I sort of get why he would go. He is sort of connected to the Kryptonians via Daxum. So it makes a little bit more sense. He He can... Uh, do the interstellar travel and all that kind of thing. But just because he, but I I think you're right. I think the whole thing is just a contrivance to get them to that point where he is telling her how he feels. And while I appreciate that he told her the truth, because I'd rather him tell her the truth and get it out in the open than keep secrets from her. I don't like it that it puts Carr in the position of being the other woman. I don't like that at all. It makes it puts a lot of burden on Kara. I don't don't like that. And I think for me, I am an old romantic. I'm an old softy. I love soap operas. I love rom coms. I am totally into romance. I could be I could be totally fine with this story if he was not married. If he was not a married man and they did did the exact same thing, I would be over the moon about that scene. Where they, you know, they looked like, you know, they were wearing white and looking like they were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Like, I, I could have been all about that. That would have been great. I'd be like, this is so romantic. I'm into this. They put, you know, uh, they did a callback to the se- the season three premiere with the dream and all of that stuff. I thought that was great. But the fact that he's still a married man taints everything. So I just, I, I'm with you. I don't know why they would do this wanting us to pull for this, wanting us to cheer this on. And they didn't they didn't need to have him be married to Saturn Girl. Like that wasn't that wasn't a requirement for the season. That was a choice that they made. So I don't know. It's it could have been just as dramatic if they were, I don't know, together but not married. Like the marriage is a big commitment. Now it's an affair. Like it's it's just such a strange, and I feel like they tried to backpedal with being like, oh, it was kind of a marriage of convenience, and it was a political marriage, but like, uh, you're still married. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> and no, Manel. <laughs> may, maybe we're jumping to conclusions. Maybe Kara was actually going to say to him, like, hey, I really appreciate you telling me the truth about how you feel. But you know what? I got over you. Maybe she was going to caress his beard gently, stare into his eyes and go, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Which would have been my ideal ending to that episode. (laughs) Go. (laughs) That actually would have been really... Because, again, I think we talked about this before with the love triangle business that I I don't think either one of us has enjoyed this season I just, I think it ruins a lot of character growth for her. She had that whole first half of the season where she had gotten over it. It made her a stronger character. Uh, She was able to look towards the future instead of in the past. And now we're at the point where we're just kind of, we're getting to the point where we're cycling back to where we were. And I, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm not crazy about it at this point. Really dragged a lot of the episode down for me. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see, you know, what Kara said, because we don't, we still don't really know what Kara's side of this is. We know that she values mon as a friend. Uh, we know that she likes his beard. I mean, and fair, it's, it's a good beard. It's a good beard. I'm still very mon negative. It's a good beard. But <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I was also like doubly resentful about this storyline because it was in this episode. So we knew that this thing was coming down like it, it was it was coming for us. The love triangle was coming, and there was no escaping it. At least I felt that way. <laughs> you gave me some glimpses of positive thinking occasionally, but I always kind of felt like this was going to ha- end up happening. But it didn't need to happen in the episode where she has like just reunited with her people and her mother. It sort of side the Monel stuff. I feel like sidelined all of the Argo city stuff that we were supposed to get because it was just like Monel in every episode in every scene instead of her sort of interacting one-on-one with these people from her past. For me, the Argo city stuff would have been way more interesting if Kara had gone and done it by herself. Agreed. And I, I think the fact that you mentioned uh, the the placement of this episode and, and that stuff being in this episode, I was struck by how this one episode was so divisive on so many levels and how crazy that was to me. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. It was politically divisive. And we'll get to this gun control stuff <laughs> that I don't fully understand uh, in oh, terms God. of the DEO. Uh, but it was politically divisive. Then you had this shipping stuff with Car and Monel, which a lot of people like. A lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people just don't want to see Supergirl have an affair with a married man. That's a legit. <laughs> that's a legitimate concern. Rebecca's like, I'm over here in my corner, just being like, "Excuse me, <laughs> she's married." <laughs> there, there are some things that I will not stand, and that is one of them. Uh, and then there was the fact that they split up Kara and Alex. Yeah. There, there's just too much going on in this episode where it was like, hey, we're going to just not let you enjoy this at all. This episode felt like like a, a bunch of scraps of paper of half-formed ideas that they just turned into an entire episode. It just felt like they never got all the way there on any of the ideas that they were throwing out there this time. Like any of these ideas well-developed could have been a decent episode. All of them thrown into a pot and like mixed together, like a bunch of word magnets on a fridge. (laughs) It just felt like I was like, what is happening in this episode? Yeah. I I just didn't like it because it's one of those things where, you know, I'm willing to engage in a story that wants to, you know, have something to say and, uh, you know, be something from a writer's perspective and all of that. But just the fact that this episode was so heavy-handed on so many things, and it just felt like they didn't want me to enjoy any of it. <laughs> like, I, 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 I found a couple of things in this episode that I liked, but I just, I just felt like, you know, the, the Supergirl fandom has some things that we can all come together and agree on. Kara and Alex, Danvers Sisters couch scenes, we're all on board. We, we all enjoy that, I think. I think we all agree on the fact that Lena Luthor's uh, business attire is inappropriate for the workplace. <laughs> I think we're all on board with that. But all of these other things in this episode were just, it almost felt like intentionally divisive or divisive, however you want to say it. 
it just that really I didn't care for that because I just think at this point in the season towards that we're heading towards the end we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I feel like we as fans we should all be on board the train going towards the you know the end of the track I feel like we should all be in the same place and for some reason I just don't I don't know I don't feel like this this was an episode to bring us all together and I wish the episodes, especially at the end of the season, would be a way to bring us all to where, you know, we're all cheering on the hero, which we're not. At least I'm not. I'm not cheering on Kara because I don't want her to make a mistake. I don't want her to get involved in something that she's going to regret. I'm, you know, not thrilled with some of the the writing choices that they've chosen to go with in stories and stuff like that. Some of that I'm kind of iffy about. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like this episode was just... Uh, it was written intentionally for me to not enjoy it. <laughs> I know that sounds really terrible, but it just, it feels like that to me. Judging by my personal Twitter feed, uh, a lot of people felt similarly. There, there, there's so much going on in the world where I feel like Supergirl should be something that we can all come together on about something, you know, about Kara or the, the Danvers sisters or something. Brian the alien. Something we can all kind of uh, come on board with. And I, I don't know. This, this was just a really, really strange episode. And so I guess we should be getting to the point of uh, talking about one of those things that was sort of, eh, hopefully, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know exactly how to talk about it, but we'll, we'll give it a go. So this episode uh, dealt with the DEO having to uh, look at its, you know, reflect on itself and its operations and the weapons that they use. So Morgan, what did you think about Supergirl taking a stab at gun controls, essentially, and, and telling that story. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this is a tough one, because I guess if we're going to just get into this. Just get into it. Technically, I didn't disagree with a lot of the points that they were making. Like, Supergirl, in my case, was preaching to the choir, which is I think a bad sign when I was so deeply annoyed by it. So, like, <laughs> like, I am your target audience for this conversation. And I was like, oh, baby, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we were saying earlier, I felt like this was a, a half-formed idea that they didn't put enough time or thought or effort into. And I feel that way with a lot of their, like, Listen, God bless them. They have a point of view and I'm 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 not begrudging them that, but I don't think that they often think through their metaphors to their logical conclusions sometimes. There, there are no metaphors, Morgan. That's <laughs> well, the this problem. Was not a metaphor, but like last season when they did a lot of the immigration metaphors, it was like, yeah, that's right. Like Oh, like, you know, let's treat people like let's treat people well and like immigrants and wait aren't the Daxums now <laughs> invading the city? And wouldn't that be kind of bad for the argument that you were making <laughs> five episodes ago? Oh my God, you people. And that's, I think the problem is that they don't, they have these ideas about real world issues that they want to bring in. And I'm not opposed to supernatural shows or sci-fi shows using their platforms to deal with real world issues. But I do think that when you're going to do that, there should be a logical consistency in your point of view that carries through, say, an episode or two. Um, but I think this one was also where they, they, they wanted to talk about gun control, but they didn't necessarily want to talk about gun control 
in the world of Supergirl. They wanted to talk about gun control in the world that we are all living in, which is fine, except that you are in Supergirl, <laughs> and that's the world you have to tell stories in. And so we got a scene like John de-arming the whole DEO, even though they like have to fight really dangerous aliens and also... What is Wynn's specialty exactly? Is it just uh, all around MacGuffin, or I don't? Now he can make uh, like nap nap guns. I don't. <laughs> What's happening? He's a seamstress. He's a weapon. He's a weapons maker. He's an arms dealer. He's an IT guy. He's a Renaissance man, is what Wynn is. <laughs> he is a geographical tracker. It was also the placement. So, so not only was the story like not really well conceived within the world of Supergirl, but also the placement within the episode and within the season was poor. Like, if you're going to do sort of a like let's be honest, a very special episode, capital very, capital special, capital episode. Um, that the a time to do that is not like two episodes from the end of the season, right after you've va- air quotes vanquished your big bad. It's it was such a strange placement in the season for that story. Like if that's a story that they wanted to tell, there were like uh, like a there was a vast middle of the season where they could have some filler episodes and like really get into maybe the implications of the different gun control arguments within the Supergirl universe. Again, not our universe, their universe with aliens. But <laughs> but that's not what happened. They just sort of shoved this storyline into this into this episode that was already too packed with weird things going on. And it was just it was such a strange one. And to have I feel like it was also a very weird choice to have James be like one side to the argument just because like what are you doing here james why are you even in the deo why is james olsen <laughs> the publisher of catco magazine at your deo your your secret government agency weapons manufacturing meeting are you not at all concerned about this why are you so chill about it like no one questions James is James just swanning in and out of the DEO. Like, do they even have passwords? They, I think they might need those guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, uh, James was doing some research about you know he he said something about how Clark had written a piece about the quote gun epidemic in the Daily Planet, so he was doing some reading and research into that. And I, I was thinking, well. Why didn't you use that, you know, CatCo as a platform to deal with this? Why was he so involved with the DEO and what the DEO was doing when CatCo was there the whole time? Yeah, that would have been a perfect CatCo storyline where they're like working on a story. And it was very clear to me from just the terms that they were using that the people who wrote this episode or the creative team, like, did some of their research on gun control. They talked about bump stocks and gun show loopholes and stuff like that. Um, so they knew what they were talking about, sort of. But <laughs> but it it just sort of went off the rails with, with the DEO aspect of it, I think. And it was just like it was a very strange storyline for for James to go into with the DEO. I just 
there were so many aspects of that. And we didn't get to hear from Alex at all in her perspective, <laughs> which I think I would have liked to hear because yeah. does she know that she now has to give up her fire gun? I think if they if they can't have that ammunition, I mean, a fire gun probably <laughs> should go too. That seems like a lethal weapon. I, I, th- I think I might have tweeted to somebody that like <laughs> they're all like all the DEO agents are handing in their, their weapons and they're like, um, director why does alex danvers have a fire gun and alex is like just off in a corner like shooting the fire gun and cackling (laughs) you know because she's daddy's favorite yeah i just i i didn't fully understand all of this stuff like i get i think they justified the placement of this episode like we talked about why why at this point in the season they used supergirl's absence as a way to in in you know in inject this kind of storyline into an episode james even says we are down one bulletproof superhero and i was like so you're gonna get rid of your guns i feel like on on agents of shield they had guns that are like i can't remember what they're called like icers or something they're like these non-lethal guns that like knock people out but even on that show they sort of like they built it into the storyline they and they still you know occasionally carry lethal weapons still because they're agents of shield and also (laughs) i do think it's funny that i mean at the at the end of the day the deo is a shady government agency that i'm pretty sure puts these aliens away without due process so i don't i mean uh, (laughs) i mean they're they're agents of peace morgan is what jean says I i think that's i think the problem is that when you when you bring it to a more realistic you start talking about real world issues you force me to start thinking of the show in more realistic terms and that makes me ask questions that you don't want me to be thinking about <laughs> like as long as i can turn that off and not think about it i'm good it's like when whenever i watch the flash and i'm like where are the bathrooms in those holding cells they put people in? That's not where you want me to go. That's not what you want me to be thinking about. Well, I I got a little curious because when he started talking about non-lethal weapons or non-lethal, lethal, uh, you know, ammunition or whatever, I assumed he was talking about like rubber bullets. I don't know. Maybe he was talking about something else. But I started doing a little digging. I don't know much about... Uh, just to throw it out there, honestly, I don't know a ton about guns. I've been trying to do research on it and kind of investigating the the gun control issue on my own just because of all the new stuff, you know, that's been happening lately. And so I've been kind of trying to investigate that and trying to learn some more. And uh, I looked into rubber bullets and they they are mostly used for like riots to try to get uh, through crowds, riot control, crowd control, that kind of stuff. Um, and they depending on where they're shot, they won't kill you. But, I mean, if you shoot somebody in the head with a rubber bullet, that's definitely going to kill them. I mean, it's yeah, not... that's not going to go great. <laughs> it's not going to go great for you. So it's not like it's a completely non-lethal weapon. It can still injure you. It can still disfigure you. Um, and at times, it it's possible that it could kill you. So um, anytime you have any kind of weapon like that, it can be really dangerous. So I don't know exactly what... I think Jean's heart was in the right place. I just don't think that I fully understand his point of view because I think, like we mentioned, you know, the DEO goes up up against characters like Rain, like Reactron, like Parasite. These are big 
beings that have these crazy abilities and are hard to control. And especially with, with Supergirl out of the <laughs> out of the uh, interplanetary space, <laughs> they might need some more uh, weaponry to take down some of these things. Yeah, I think that's an it's another case of the show really wanting to get to the issue without thinking about how it works within the confines of the show. Like the DEO is not a police department, you know. The DEO is is supposed to specifically deal with extra normal with the aliens with the aliens they're dealing with people with powers well and and now that they've done this the ncpd is way more equipped to handle (laughs) those things like now that now they have lessened the deo's capability to take care of this stuff it's not only just the fact that the they are putting now putting citizens at risk because the deo might not be able to take care of things they're also putting the agents at risk because the agents won't be able to defend themselves so i just really have a lot of questions because i don't understand how this is going to work from now on yeah this this felt like an episode where i was like you know who would have been great in this episode maggie sawyer yeah like this yeah. would have been a great episode to have the uh, the police department sort of have a presence and have an opinion and and talk about it because it also seemed like at the end of the day like this wasn't a DEO uh, besides the DEO gun being involved it wasn't a DEO case per se because it was like a human being with a gun which seems like it would fall under the purview of the human being police. Yes. Uh, the, the DEO is mostly for, you know, uh, Fort Ross escapees and, and aliens and, you know, invasions uh, that they have once a year around, you know, May this, this year, June. Jean and James go to the gun manufacturer and they're like, and, and Jean says something to the effect of, you've got to stop selling this weapon. You've got to take it off the market. And I was like, who, who? Who said you were in charge of this? Like, I don't I don't understand how... Can he just do that? Can he just say, you've got to take that off the market. You can't sell that anymore. I think he was basically throwing, like, the government contract around. Like, the government oh. contract was technically probably more lucrative than the, uh, than the independent, you know, personal use market. The, like the civilian... Mm-hmm. So okay. he was like, you know, if if you don't take this gun off the market, we're going to pull our, our contract with you, um, which I mean, again, this is going to be an idle threat now that they're not using the guns anyway. Uh, they're just going to use whatever Wynn can come up with in a week. It just felt like maybe that speech at the end would have been less ridiculous if it was like we should start looking at some other ways and we're going to start like thinking about, you know, how to use more non-lethal force, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of uh, let's just throw all these on the, on the trash pile. And I'm sure Wynn will come up with something great. Meanwhile, Wynn is in the corner sobbing. <laughs> He's like, Oh my gosh, what do I have to do now? This job doesn't pay me enough. I just thought it was really weird that in an episode about gun control, the second amendment never came up. Never came up in the conversation whatsoever. And that's... Yeah, that was... I mean, well, they only... Technically, they only had one person who was pro-gun, uh, and that was Lena. And we know she's pro-gun because she really likes to uh, to use them to occasionally try to kill her enemies. Well, and also to defend herself from all of the assassination attempts. Millions of assassination attempts. If anybody she should be carrying a gun, it is Lena Luther. <laughs> she's like, listen, this <laughs> happens to me 
on the weekly. <laughs> I have got to be able to defend myself. I cannot depend on my boyfriend or Supergirl all the time. Sometimes I gotta take care of me. Yeah, it was it was a strange idea. Like if you're going to get into the gun control debate, it does feel weird not to have one character, you know, talk about the Second Amendment because that's it always comes up. So it's weird that that didn't come up. But again, it's like, do I? <sighs> It comes down to do I do I want an episode of Supergirl where there we've got characters debating the amendments? And my answer, honestly, and this is from somebody who's like kind of plugged in and like always just feels like the the universe is just a screaming dumpster fire all the time. <laughs> but that's not what I'm coming to Supergirl for. That's like really what I'm coming to get away from for like a little bit. Well, you know, and I, I like to learn about history and government and America. Like I, I enjoy that. I'm a student of history. I like to learn things in my free time. But I also do not want to be lectured when I turn on an episode of Supergirl. I just want to see uh, somebody use heat vision. I want to, uh, you know, see Alex and, and Kara watch a classic film on the TV screen. That's the kind of stuff that I show up for. So I, oof. yeah, I don't mind the show having a point of view. I just wish it was more like, I think that there are a lot of good fantasy and sci-fi shows that talk about real world issues in a way where using more metaphor, <laughs> Uh, this was there was no metaphor here. They were like literally like, listen, gun control, man, we got to do it. And I was like, all right, so we're just, we're just diving right in. We're just not gonna, we're not gonna turn this into a, like an in show thing. It's just gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, they they mentioned the words assault rifle. They talked about bump stocks, like you said. They talked about the background checks and the gun show stuff. It was just, it was way heavy handed. Like it just, it was on, too on the nose in your face. Um, I also, I, I like sci fi that has some metaphor to it. I really loved the reimagining of Battlestar Galactica and all the political stuff that was there. I thought all of that was done really well just because it was in that universe and it kind of played around with the things that were going on with those characters in the world they set up. So I could kind of dive into that. Whereas I feel like the way I think you're right, absolutely correct. The way they handle on Supergirl is too close to our reality. And I think that's what takes me out of it. Like at one point, I, I believe last season, I think we had a conversation about this where they were sort of talking about like, well, this administration is doing this. And I was like, you mean the administration headed up by Wonder Woman? (laughs) (laughs) Or did you forget that she's the president in your universe? It's that's the thing. It's it feels like when when Supergirl wants to make a real world issues kind of or political statement or whatever kind of statement they momentarily forget the entire trappings of the universe turn to the camera and are like this is what we think and it's like there's got to be a better more graceful way to do it than that <laughs> I'm, I'm not the writer here but that seems clunky yeah uh wonder woman apparently wanted to build a wall uh even <laughs> though she was an alien <laughs> Uh, did not make a, conflicted. <laughs> a lick of sense whatsoever. Um, so I guess we've hit the gun control thing uh, pretty sufficiently. Uh, so let's take let's talk about what really matters in this episode. The most important, the most important things in this episode, really. Uh, uh, Lena Luther's wardrobe. I feel like we need to have an official boardroom or ballroom. <laughs>
And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? So what did you think about Lena Luther's wardrobe or anything that was going on with Lena in this episode? Well, I mean, I could tell that she was like really going to get some science done. She was like really going to get into it and, and get some stuff accomplished because those shoulders <laughs> were out. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a power episode for Lena. <laughs> you know, things are getting serious and things are going to get done when Lena dusts her shoulders off and then just pulls down that dress <laughs> when we can see some clavicle <laughs> and some shoulder blades things are gonna get accomplished and this has been lena luther boardroom or ballroom yeah she was she was gonna do some work in the in James's Catco office, and I thought it was um, very telling that she brought him pizza to the Catco office because when I think about pizza, and correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan, but when when someone delivers pizza, they bring it to your house. Uh, you would think that the pizza would go to your house, but in this case, it did. <laughs> That is his house. It, it went to James's home. It would have been great if he was like, I, "Do you, do you want to eat this in bed?" And he like starts to get under the desk, and she was like, "No, no, maybe, maybe not right now." <laughs> so uh, I think these these were the saving grace thoughts uh, for this episode was uh, Lena Luther's wardrobe and uh, the fact that she uh, brought pizza to James's office. I, I really enjoyed that. It was nice to see more of Lena. She she sort of helped save the day with the the uh, Heronel with the Black Rock. She uh, created, I guess, Black Kryptonite. Rock of Utica. The Rock of Utica saved the day. As always, thank you to Utica, New York. <laughs> Shout out to Utica saving the day in this episode. Utica. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I think it's, wor it's worth pointing out that uh, Super Supergirl asked Lena to make more of the, I guess we're going to call it black kryptonite, because that seems like what that is. Uh, so Lena's just making all the kryptonite. Yeah. She just knows how to make all kinds of kryptonite now. I was surprised that uh, that Supergirl asked her to do that, because she's been so weird about the uh, about the kryptonite yeah. up until now. And then she was like, you know what? I mean, you did good. You did good, kid. <laughs> could, you make, could you make some more of this? Lena was like... Sure. Lena must have such whiplash with Supergirl this season. She's all over the place with Lena. Yeah, I think maybe that's why she's like, and I'm going to eat five pizzas because I don't know what to do with all of this information. I'm once again looking at it. I'm looking at a gif of Lena's outfit. Boy, I did not really register how low cut it was, too. <laughs> There's so much. There's that uh, that shirt is barely hanging on those shoulders. You can tell she's really about to get into science. I mean, it's a power, <laughs> power move. That is a real that is a real power outfit for Lena Luther. <laughs> also, how great is it that te uh, Miss Tessmacher is also like a science genius? Just happens to be, just happens to be working at Catco for some reason, but also a science genius. She is pouring coffee while at the same time a student of nuclear physics makes complete sense. <laughs> I like that they thought that like having the characters go, "That's weird," would make it less weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, see, we're hip to the fact.
fact that this is strange too. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious if uh, that will be a partnership that will continue on because that's you know Miss Tessmacher working with a Luther. Yeah. I think it's very fitting. Uh, that's right up uh, the character of Miss Tessmacher's uh, alley for her to be teaming up with the Luther. So I, I was actually very interested in that. I like that we got James doing the the yelling. So yes. I'm, now I'm hoping that like maybe next episode we'll have Lena doing it. Oh my gosh, that needs to be a thing that happens. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see if we get more of that team up in uh, future episodes uh, heading towards the end of the season. All right, Morgan. Well, I, I know we uh, didn't really kind of hit. Uh, we're kind of running out of time just on the discussion. But uh, there was some Jean Mirren stuff. Do you want to kind of hit on that really quickly before we hit uh, feedback? I like the John Mirren stuff. Again, this episode had so much going on. Uh, it kind of... I feel like it kind of blew past some of that, the John Muir and stuff. But I, I, as always, I like when Alex and John have scenes together. I thought they were really well done. And it's really sad. I'm, I'm going to really miss Space Granddad. It seems like he is on his way out. Um, but I think that they've been doing a pretty good job with that storyline and keeping it sort of present throughout the back half of the season. I, I question the Alex stuff where she started looking up adoption instead it's adoption websites instead of like drinking her her serious scotch or whatever she was drinking uh i mean i've been there uh in that i will sometimes look at pet finder when i'm sad so i guess i get it but it still feels like you know what else you could look at uh alex you know you could look at tinder like maybe just go on a date like go on a date before you decide to sad adopt a child i i don't know that uh, drinking alcohol and being on the internet period is a good idea i think that <laughs> it's leads, not it leads to bad decisions good decisions are not made uh one on the internet and two with alcohol so those are two bad things that are bad together yeah that's not a good mix uh, although I wouldn't mind if Alex, you know, adopted a kid. It's just th- that's maybe not uh, the, the best timing um, when you're feeling sad and drinking alcohol. Uh, but yeah, I liked the Mirren stuff. It seems like Mirren is uh, at peace with what's happening to him. And he's trying to get Jean. I think Jean is really kind of pushing back as, you know, understandably as a son would. But um, but it seems like Mirren is ready to go, which is sad. I don't. I don't want him to go, but um, I know I like him so much. He's been a good character this season. So um, Carl Lumbly knocking it out of the park as a usual. Well, uh, Morgan, where do you come down on this episode? Um, I mean, we we talked about the things that we liked and the things that we didn't like, but where do you come down on this one in in terms of this the span of the season? So this is probably going to sound super harsh, but I think this is my least favorite episode of the season. Like maybe even easily maybe even I didn't have to think too hard about it. Yeah, I think that's where I come down on it as well. This is hands down the for me the 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 most I disliked an episode of Supergirl uh this season and it's really sad for me because I really enjoyed the season. I really the season 3 has been my favorite season and I just I don't know what happened but it almost felt like somebody was putting the brakes on this on the season for me with this episode but maybe it'll pick up uh with the remaining two episodes maybe they're gonna i'm hoping they're gonna nail the ending they're gonna they're gonna uh you know get on that vault and then nail it and we're gonna be like yeah it's a 10 <laughs> so ho- hopefully they will uh they'll uh land that uh, final episode and uh get to where they need to be at the end of the season but 
This episode was a real roadblock for me personally. Yeah, not a good one. Not a good one. (laughs) Well, I think we talked about our thoughts on this episode. So let's hear what our listeners had to say about Not Kansas. Um, At Jesso13 said, do you think Kara and Monel were speaking Kryptonese in Argo City? Or was everyone speaking English? Also, do you think Lena was the one that created the cure Monel had from the future and did it derive from the black kryptonite? I think they said that uh, L Corp did create the cure. I don't know if it was Lena, but they did have a. Maybe it was Miss Tessmacher. <laughs> it could have been. Maybe she had the breakthrough. Uh, but Lena did seem to notice something revolutionary about the Black Rock at the end of this episode. So maybe that was relating to that. And in terms of the Kryptonese, I think if they were speaking Kryptonese, we would have heard them speak a different language. Uh, because when Kara and Cal have spoken to each other in Kryptonese, they have spoken a different language. But I think they're just speaking English. Yeah, that, that's a that's a real. I didn't think about that, but it doesn't make any sense that they would all be speaking English. On <laughs> that's <Krypton>. true. That's <laughs> true. Um, at Kenny Crayley said, "Good episode of Supergirl. Better than last week's episode. Looking forward to the last two episodes this season. So happy they're doing a live action version of the new Krypton story arc." Um, at Kit Ra 8 said, no more Monel, please. I'm Mon negative on the Mon scale. Hate the freaking love triangle. Why did you invite Monel with you, Kara? Why? <laughs> There's a lot of emotions in that one. <laughs> and I feel a lot of those same emotions. <laughs> at Shop 23 said, oh, Chadlow, look what your random field chants have done. <laughs> Interested to see Coville's role in all of this. I don't like how they stripped Kara's morals for this abhorrent love triangle. It doesn't feel right for the show. Days of our lives? Okay. Supergirl? No. Hashtag soap opera shout out. Um, I really appreciate that personally. I don't, <laughs> I don't even think this is days of our lives. This is more like, um, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a Young and the Restless playbook. Because the, the Young and the Restless does a lot of love triangles. They do a lot of people cheating on each other. Days of Our Lives, you would need more, like, demon possession, uh, <laughs> people trapped in bird cages, uh, murdering people with donuts, that <laughs> kind of thing. With donuts. <laughs> oh, man. We need more of all of that and less <laughs> love triangles on Supergirl. I'm always saying Supergirl needs more uh, more people in bird cages. <laughs> Uh, at Chris Fundalinski said all the time they spent making Monel better just took a nosedive Mon negative this episode hate the love triangle so much liked Argo storyline though and loved the Danvers sisters moments um, at Lisbeth Zerner said why wasn't Eliza there to say goodbye good question good question that would have been nice for her to uh, say goodbye to the mother who raised her but, you know, but, you know, they didn't have the budget, so <laughs> uh, they they really needed to spend that budget on Epcot. <laughs> um, <laughs> as somebody who was just at Disney World like a month ago, I was like, are they are they in Epcot? <laughs> when they showed that like golf ball looking uh, garden uh, at Brooklyn Biker uh, underscore Biker said, wouldn't Clark want to meet his aunt? Or at least say goodbye to his cousin. I realize they probably couldn't get the actor, but maybe mention him a bit more. I feel like that's a, a big thing that I forgot to mention when I was complaining about stuff. Um, was that real? Like 
they should have maybe thrown in a line where Kara was like, yeah, I told Clark all about Argo City. and he, He's super busy, so uh, he's not going to be able to make it. You know, deadlines and like spring cleaning. I imagine <laughs> that Kara sent like a group text to Eliza and to Clark and some of these other people like, hey, I'm going on vacation. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> like like a group email, like not <laughs> even not even a personal email, like a group email that she <laughs> sent out before she left. <laughs> oh, man. Clark is like replying all like, excuse me, all in caps, <laughs> but it's like too late now. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, maybe Supergirl is still in a coma from her fight with Rain and all these nonsense episodes and her dramatic character change will not be real. Jean's decision would make sense if the DEO was a normal law enforcement agency and did not deal with metahumans and aliens on a daily basis. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, Kara doesn't make sense to me anymore. She would never a- just leave Alex and the rest of her Earth family like that. She would at least ask Alex to come to Argo with her. And this pro-gun control episode was actually worse than the Arrow one they did last year, honestly. And then an emoji that is rolling its eyes. I don't think Arrow can handle regular episodes. Like, <laughs> just normal episodes gonna, about Green Arrow. You if you've seen the Arrow gun control episode. I, I haven't, and I, I just don't trust Arrow with any kind of story. I mean, I feel like I don't want to be lectured by Oliver Queen, a person who, like, kills on the regs. <laughs> <laughs> about anything, really. About anything at all, but probably about that in particular. Oh, gosh, no, yeah. Oh. I, I can't imagine they handled that very well. I, I cannot imagine that that went great. Um, <laughs> at Ryan M. Spencer 1 said, Banning guns from the DEO doesn't make sense since they're tasked with dealing with national city, global, or potential parallel universe threats. Removing guns from this governmental agency will not stop the threats from coming. Um, at Luthvers said, I don't know how I feel about this episode. It felt off somehow. The gun story was good and all, but it felt kind of out of place. Like, Supergirl is gone. What will we do now? Kind of filler. And there was too little Kara and Argo for my liking. I want to know everything about Argo. Also, ew, Lena and her pro-gun statements. Go away, Miss Luther. We know you have a taser, too. And while I'm glad Monel got his feelings sorted out, I'm so not here for any of that. Yeah, that's kind of where I fall down on this Monel thing. Get it out of your system, but I don't care for it. <laughs> At uh, SL Fricky said, I'd have thought Manel realizing his years-long marriage was a stronger relationship than his first real girlfriend of a few months would be a better storyline than this. But what do I know? <laughs> also, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Uh, also, can someone besides Wynn be tasked with creating DEO tech? I know they need to come up with stuff for the character, but I'm starting to wonder how this organization got by before he was hired. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'm a pro-gun control guy, but this plot line was pandering and nonsensical and should be thrown in with Maggie's dad saying they're building a wall to keep us out, which didn't make sense with who the president is in this universe. <laughs> Uh great. Okay. Um at Omar Shah Jaffrey said the politics were too heavy-handed in my opinion. I get it. Guns bad. I agree, but John, usually the voice of reason, made an emotional decision. He's trashing guns made for the DEO by a real arms maker for non-lethal ones designed by his <laughs> IT guy. 
<laughs> it sounds even better when you say it out loud. <laughs> um, okay, uh, he, he goes on to say, yes, Win is brilliant, but since when is weapons design in his skill set, why not work with the manufacturer to make better non-lethal rounds for the guns the agents already have? Nobody thought of this? Yeah, I'd have walked out with those agents, too. <laughs> oh, man. Um, at Madtown, Davison said, I feel frustrated by this whole, uh, by this Monel business. Look, dude, you're either married or you're not. If you're still married, this is inappropriate. If you and Imra get a space divorce, <laughs> a space divorce, then you can tell Kara you still like her or whatever. The problem with using the DEO as a vehicle for a pro-gun control message is that the DEO has always been a little creepy <laughs> it's a clandestine government agency that uses surveillance on people so jean suddenly deciding guns are bad doesn't feel earned jean is fine with using computers and satellites to access people's private data he's fine with locking aliens away seemingly without trial but guns are a bridge too far i usually try not to think too hard about the deo but maybe it's time to get rid of the deo i don't want anybody to get rid of the deo until i get a director bones on the show that is my one request that I've been requesting for a really, really long time. So maybe maybe we should get rid of the DEO, but not until Director Bones shows up. I also feel very passionately that I would like to see their version of Director Bones. <laughs> Only if he is a skeleton, though. Like, none of this snapper car not snapping nonsense. None of that Brainiac 5 yeah. personal inducer. Bones that is not a skeleton in a very sharp suit. <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. Smoking a cigar. That's essential. Yes. Uh, at true underscore just underscore Brian says, Car leaves National City. There's no crime. And DEO wants to beat guns into plowshares. Car goes to Argo and her childhood friend who is head of security suddenly has work to do. How dangerous is Kara? Also, is it Monel still married, or can it be claimed that he doesn't get married for another millennium? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's 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 the loophole he's gonna use. Oh, jeez. I mean, technically, maybe you could use that, but I I don't buy it. Uh, next blatant social issue: citizens of Argo hate Monel because he's a Daxamite. Yeah, nobody really was, talks about that. I was surprised that there wasn't more of that because honestly, Kara was kind of a jerk to him last season. Because he was from Daxum. And everybody seemed real chill and didn't seem to care. Well, I think everybody is uh, starting over in Argo City. I feel like there's something in in perhaps the water or let's say the brownies in Argo City that just has <laughs> everybody just loving life. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Mad About a Girl said, Another confusing mess of continuity as the writers continue to muck through this mess of a season. So uh, a lot of uh, mixed emotions there in those tweets. <laughs> uh, we have an email from Maria who writes, quote, I 100% see Jean's reasoning for disarming the DEO and the message the show wants to send out. But aren't they supposed to be, again, somebody points this out, uh, a clandestine organization? The public doesn't know they exist technically. So it really wouldn't matter if they had guns or not, right? <laughs> I found it a little odd. It's not like their their bullets ever worked on alien attacks anyway. When Jean talked down the gunman, I couldn't help but be reminded of the episode when Supergirl talked down an armed robber in season one's episode, Human for a Day. I found the start of the episode strange. I feel like it would have been better uh, placed at the end of the last episode. 
Nevertheless, it still made me emotional, unquote. Uh, we also have an email from Naomi who writes, I was thinking about Lena finding out Kara's identity and about her not putting it together that Kara and Supergirl are the same. Are the same. Do you remember in the episode Welcome to Earth that Kara has had tested human on the alien detection device. I think that is one reason why Lena has not put Kara and Supergirl together yet, as she has a lot of confidence in her invention. Yeah, that's a good point. I had forgotten about that, that Lena had that device and Kara sort of tricked it uh, to say that she was human and not an alien. So maybe maybe Lena's still holding on to that result. Yeah, that's true. I, I did find it really funny that in this episode, Kara just happens to be going out on assignment uh, when Supergirl is just happens to be leaving as well. <laughs> and our, our, our resident scientist genius does not put that together. I mean, they're, they're, they're out at the same time. And I wonder if Lena's going to be like, Hey, I need to talk to Kara <laughs> and she's not going to be able to get in touch with her. We'll, we'll have to see if, uh, if there's any um, notice of those, those absences being the same. Uh, well, we have an email from Mark who writes, quote, The things I liked, seeing Argo in the World Killer storyline and Kara re- reuniting with her childhood BFF and Eve graduating from being a nostalgic punchline to Lena's lab assistant uh, with one last Miss Esmacher thrown in for good measure. <laughs> also, the parts with, uh, I almost said Marin. Uh, oh, no. Mirin. Mirin. I'm going to say Mirin. Don't um, let them win. Rebecca, ah, let the them win. Apostrophe <laughs> and the weird pronunciation. I can't decide. Uh, Mark goes on to say, but everything else on Earth rubbed me the wrong way. The preachiness of the gun storyline and John decreeing that the DEO would pivot to strictly non-lethal tactics. This is a government agency charged with neutralizing monsters from your darkest nightmares. Has it been so long since their annual mention of Fort Ross escapees that they've completely <laughs> forgotten <admin>. they exist? <laughs> Plus, as I said, they're a government agency. One of the principles of a modern civilization is that the government should, at least in theory, have a monopoly on the use of violence. No one, at least no one law-abiding, wants to see the FBI disarmed. That's a really good point. I'm hoping that this bites the DEO in the butt and they decide it's unworkable, but I'm more afraid that it's a return to the, you puny girl, I'm going to destroy you and then you will make me a sandwich level of boot-to-the-head preaching that characterized too much of season one. Uh, Mark going for the the uh, the going for the kill with that uh, description. Uh, <laughs> Mark also says second Alex pushing away her bourbon in favor of perusing an adoption site sounds uh, site like she's looking for a rescue puppy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what you said, Morgan. Um, Mar- Mark also says Alex has been pretty darn murderous uh, herself over the years. To go back to last week's conversation in season one, Astra actually said to her, "You killed the Helgramite. I like you." And as she agonized over last week, being a single parent in her job is potentially really unfair to the kid. Plus, Alex's drinking is very much part of her character at this point. She's never been shown as an adult to be truly out of character, out of control or an addict, unable to stop. And I think that trading in her bourbon for a brat is going to make her far less interesting. Finally, Cara and Monel, one of you is married and not the other. Put the goo goo eyes away, unquote. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mark, lots of uh, uh, good points there. Um, technically, I went back and, and looked it up in the season one episode, Hostile Takeover. Astra actually says, you're the one who defeated the Helgramite, not killed. So I think, I think we might have an answer. We were curious about that last week, about whether or not Alex actually killed the Helgramite. Because they talked about how the Helgramite was in the containment. 
Uh, so it seems like they just defeated the Helgramite and not killed uh, the Helgramite. So uh, maybe we solved it. I guess <laughs> we fixed it. <laughs> I, I guess I guess we figured out that we answered that question. <laughs> uh, we have an email from Daryl who writes, I'm glad that Kara told Lena she was leaving instead of just disappearing on her. But I have to wonder what is the lie that Lena was told to cover Kara's leaving? Though I have no doubt that when Kara comes back, her old job will be waiting for her. She may not show up for work half the time, but she'll still be on the payroll. And the fact that two seconds of screen time was given to her CatCo going away party just shows how important the show thinks CatCo is to Kara's life. Did Kara have to put in PTO or is this just like vacation related to her job? I feel like um, Kara has never put in PTO <laughs> once in her entire life. <laughs> Maybe she's uh, accumulated a lot of days and she just said, I'm going to take a month off. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to live my best life <laughs> for this month. <laughs> Goodbye work. And what if she comes back without a story? <laughs> That's going to be the best part. They were like, oh, whatever story you were working on, that 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 break that you had must be really, really good. And she comes back and she's like, I found out what happened to the pelican. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to have to come up with something to turn in. Uh, well, we also have an email from Pat Patricia who writes, quote, as for the romantic arboretum scene with Cara and Monel, I'm hoping Cara just wanted to pet Monel's beard and then say, <laughs> But you're married and we are better as friends. They were looking at each other with goo-goo eyes, but I'm hoping that was misdirection. Kara didn't lean in to kiss Monel, and that repro and that reprogrammed evil Kellex was perfectly timed to keep us wondering, will they or won't they? In my opinion, Kara knows better than to than to encourage a married man to do something that would hurt or disrespect his wife. I'm hoping the writers know that too, unquote. Uh, we have an email from Gina who writes, The Gun Debate. I am all for a healthy discussion about this subject matter, but wow, subtext was just text. <laughs> one, of my <laughs> one of my favorite things about the fantasy sci-fi genre is the ability and opportunity to bring up real-life issues and life circumstances and shroud them in the show's wheelhouse. For example, the way Lena and Supergirl talked about kryptonite the last few weeks was a perfect metaphor for the gun debate. But the way the show handled it was way too overt. It was also a weird subject matter to put in an episode where Supergirl decides to leave Earth and John was dealing with Mirren admitting he's coming to his end. It just made the episode more disjointed than it should have been. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think the half of the episode with Kara in Argo City was nice. We finally got to see her interact more with her mother and the remaining people of Krypton. We even got to hear her talk about what it all means to her, even though she was struggling to answer that completely. Kara realizing she's in between worlds, not really a person of Krypton and not really one of Earth, was sad. It was just another notch in her season-long conflict of identity. Poor girl has got to get it together. I'm, uh, I don't understand her asking Monel to go with her, though. There are a billion other people that I thought meant more in her life that were better choices, specifically asking Kal-El to go with her for at least a few days. I know they obviously were setting up that reimagination of Kara and Monel in that field dressed in white. I can't say how much I rolled my eyes. I finally was like, just kiss already, okay? Even that didn't happen. <laughs> what, <laughs> what I'm afraid of the most is that Kara can only find her identity if she kisses and gives into Monel. That was my big problem with last season, and I would hate for them to rehash that her identity is in the hands of a guy. That's a really good point because they have been uh, using that as a, a storyline and a character arc for Kara this season, and I I agree. I think if they use Monel to bring that to a conclusion, I think that's a, a bad choice. 
what I thought was really interesting, because we talked a little bit about Kara and Alex and Alex being Kara's home on Earth. And it made me think of uh, the episode in season one for the girl who has everything and how in that episode, Kara had everything she wanted. She was back on Krypton. She was with her mother and father and little Kal-El and she had her family back and she had everything that she was missing. And the thing that brought her back to reality was Alex. And so I think that that kind of thing is would be a much stronger story and a character arc for Kara if she realized that being a sister or, uh, you know, being um, a, a, an earthling, being a reporter, uh, being someone who, uh, you know, a superhero, a protector, maybe that's more her identity instead of being wrapped up in, in a relationship. I, I don't know. I, I think that's a good question to ask. Like, how are they going to end uh, where, where are they going to go with this, uh, this idea of secret identities and what Kara's real identity is? Because it's something that's been going on all season. Yeah, it's true. And our final email comes from Sam, who writes, quote, I liked the nuanced depiction of Alex reacting to Ruby and Sam's reunion. For Alex, it was bittersweet. On some level, she had started to see herself having a future with Ruby. Even if Sam died or Rain was imprisoned, Ruby would become a ward of the state. Of course, the DEO could take custody of Ruby because of her alien parentage and concerns about her world killer status. Uh, Alex could become a guard as much as uh, could become a guard as much as a guardian in that case. Uh, by the way, how stupid was it that Sam and Ruby were allowed to go back home unsupervised almost straight away without any kind of extended <laughs> observation period? Sam should have been tested extensively and kept under observation for a month at least before letting her go unsupervised, especially with her daughter, unquote. Uh, yeah, so that's a that's a good point, Sam. And um, I like uh, I like your thoughts about Alex and, uh, and Ruby and how, uh, from Alex's point of view, this was... Uh, kind of heartbreaking, even though she was glad to see uh, mother and daughter reunited. Um, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, this is Booker Radio. This is me, Mauricio, again. And everyone called it. That was Black Kryptonite they used to separate Rain and Sam. Kind of a bringer there. So, yeah. I just want to know, did anyone feel like this is two questions. Did anyone feel like this was seeing the finale? Because this felt like a flashy finale. Like, everything's good and happy, and the hero's not off again. So I was like, Ah, this could have been the season finale, but now we have two more episodes. And my second question is, Selena, okay, she's on Earth. Why apparently she's trying to destroy the Earth? I understand range, because she landed there, but I don't understand Selena's motivation to destroy Earth, since no one knew about it. Anyway, thanks, Google Radio. Take care. Bye. Yeah, so Mauricio has two questions. Uh, number one, did it feel like a season finale to anyone else? Uh, what do, what do you think, Morgan? Do you think this uh, could have been a good season finale? I think it, it, if you had reworked some of the aspects of it, it could have been a decent season finale. Like if it the season finale was Kara leaving to go to Argo City and then sort of like discovering that things are not as they seem there and then dun, dun, dun. Uh, I think that could have been a good season finale. If the episode that we got was a season finale, I would have just been puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the idea of Kara leaving Earth and going to Argo City to perhaps, uh, you know, call that her home now, I think that would have been a really good cliffhanger. I would have been like, wow, I don't know where they're going to go with this. Uh, so that would have been really exciting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They they did a little a little too much too quick, I think, in this episode. But um, it could have maybe, it, like, like you said, if they reworked some things, it could have been a season finale if they wanted it to be that way. 
Uh, Mauricio, second question is, uh, what are Selena's motivations? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think her motivations are evil, mostly. I think she just wants to do evil uh, and chant. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what Selena is up to, but uh, whatever it is, it's uh, no good. <laughs> it's, it's bad stuff. <laughs> she is up to no good. Uh, but I'm very excited about it, whatever it is. I'm excited about it. Me too. Um, well, before we wrap up our feedback section, we have some snap judgments sent in by some of our listeners. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Uh, so the first one is from Jesso13. Uh, which do you like better, the robe boho fashion in Argo City or the CEO <laughs> fashion in Lena's lab? Oh, I mean, both good ones because, I mean, I feel like I haven't seen so many flowy pastels since, like, watching some bit stuff from the 70s. But, <laughs> I mean... Lena's Lena's uh, shoulderless outfits are always going to be my favorite. If I was going to wear the clothes, I would pick the Kryptonian fashion in Argo City. That's fair because they look comfortable. It looked a lot more comfortable. But I think in terms of what I enjoy most when I'm watching an episode <laughs> of Supergirl, I think it's Lena's wardrobe just because it always uh, cracks me up how completely inappropriate it is for the workplace. <laughs> I mean, but on the flip side, I mean, in the summertime, Lena's wardrobe is going to be great because you're going to be real cool. Yeah, she is not going to be uh, too hot there in the office. She is going to be just fine. Uh, so the next snap judgment we have is from Gina, uh, Kara's Snuggie outfit or her school marm slash Little House on the Prairie outfit. So we had the Snuggie uh, blue <laughs> robe when she first showed up on Argo City or the uh, Little House on the Prairie outfit. I like the Little House on the Prairie. I felt like she was about to break into uh, some sort of musical song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Snuggie outfit. I thought it, I thought she looked sort of like a royalty. She looked like a Disney princess with that thing on. Uh, so I'm going to go Snuggie outfit. Uh, which is more impressive? Lena's ability to create kryptonite or Miss Tessmacher. All right. Well, I should say this correctly. Miss <laughs> Tessmacher study, <laughs> studying nuclear physics at Yale, which is more impressive. I mean, they're both very impressive, but I feel like kryptonite may be a little bit more impressive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the point to Lena. I mean, I, I got to give it up to Eve. That's That's impressive. <laughs> but... Uh, creating multiple uh, versions of kryptonite, that's going to win out for me. Uh, so the last one from Gina is, what do you want to see? Allura meeting Alex or Superman meeting Mon-El? Okay, so I have like an answer, a, a very immediate answer to this one, but also like a caveat. So definitely Allura meeting Alex, not even a question. But also if Superman meets Mon-El and then names him Bob Cobb, <laughs> that would be fantastic as well. <laughs> yes, uh, that has to happen now. Uh, I'm going to go Allura meeting Alex. Uh, and so our last one, which is obviously the most important snap judgment that we're going to have to make in this episode of Supergirl Radio. Which food would you rather have Lena buy for you? The bag full of ice cream she picked up for Ruby or a stack of pizzas she brought for James? Oh, this is, I mean... That's a good point that, like, when Lena gets food, she goes hard, uh, <laughs> which I appreciate. Uh, I'm going to go bag full of ice cream. This is this is a really, this is a tough one. I've really got to make a choice here. <laughs> go with your heart. I mean, it kind it depends on the flavors. That's true. I mean, I. But it's like a whole bag, Rebecca. <laughs> I mean, she did have, like, five pizzas, though. 
That's true. There's gonna be some good toppings in there. You know, you know, Lena don't skimp. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pizza. I'm gonna go pizza, but I do love ice cream. I mean, if we both combine ours together, that's that's one one party. That's that true. We're having. You have the meal and the dessert. Oh god, that's a t- that's that's probably the hardest uh, snap judgment we've ever had on Super Korea. Pizza or ice cream? I don't know. You can tell where our hearts are. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Not Kansas. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail uh, like Mauricio did, you can call us at 678-718-7252. Make sure to write and call in before Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's when we kind of gather everything up uh, together for the Google Docs. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show, which uh, includes uh, Rosa Pullman's Daydreaming, which is uh, which has been featured twice on the show this season in uh, Girl of Steel in the season premiere, and also this week's episode, uh, because it was both there in the dream sequence with Karin Monell as well as this week's um, actual reality sequence with Car and Monel. So it uh, showed up twice. Uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. And just as a reminder, we have a T Public store. If you'd like to check out all of the designs in our store, we've got some Supergirl designs, which are really cool. Uh, you can just go to supergirlradio.com. We have a link to the T Public store at the top of the page. And uh, because this episode dealt very heavily with law enforcement, we've got some DEO shirts. We've got, got some, some DEO stuff. <laughs> we've got some National City Police Department shirts. Uh, we've got some Alex Danvers shirts. We've got Cadmus Labs. We've got all the the different locations. We've got some Catco shirts. Worldwide Media. <laughs> Worldwide Media, that place that employs Car and she doesn't do a, a, <laughs> a, a minute of work for them. And somehow she earns a living there. Uh, and we've got uh, some Martian Manhunter shirts. We've got all kinds of stuff in the store. So definitely check that out. And I know for, for me personally, I've got Comic-Con coming up in like just over a month. So I think it's it's time to- it's time I'm going to I'm dive in. I'm going to buy some stuff. And and if you want something very specific to Supergirl and Supergirl Radio, very specifically, we have a Snap Judgments t-shirt. We do have a Snap Judgments t-shirts and that is going to be like the first thing I buy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like Snap Judgments, you got to pick that up because it's got our boy Snapper Car on it, uh drawn by the awesome Comicer girl. Uh, so check that out. And uh, if you want to follow me, uh, you can do that on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can find me on Instagram where I post some pictures occasionally at the Derby Kid. You can also check videos of mine over at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. And I am also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLU. Oh, 
jailuniverse.patamatic. Ooh, I'm just really screwing this up. <laughs> this plug, is, I'm going to start over. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jailuniverse.podomatic.com. Nailed it. Got it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic, M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We are planning sometime this month to do a listener feedback episode. So if you have uh, have seen the season or if you just finished binging it on Netflix or if you just say, listen to our podcast and you don't even watch the show, <laughs> you can send in some feedback uh, to our our the legends at gmail email account and uh and we will uh we'll read it on the show we'll discuss it i think i just thought of a question i want to send in yes <laughs> i'll have to remember that uh because i'll probably forget gonna have it to jot that down 30 seconds i gotta make a note uh but i do a, a question just popped in my brain all right, well, that's going to do it for our episode on Not Kansas. But if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, things get done when we listen to each other. Rain is dead. You're naive. Only one of them will survive. The stage is set for the ceremony. Bring us rain. Some your blood cells have mutated. Rain is still alive. When? What happened? The dark Kryptonians are here. Wipe out all humans. Supergirl. All new episode Monday at 8, 7 central on the CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Make It Rain. <laughs> the official description reads, quote, Supergirl learns the true depth of Selena's nefarious plans for Earth. Supergirl, Monel, and Allura must devise a plan to stop her before Selena gets to Earth. I think it's kind of too late, but uh, I'll, con- yeah. I'll continue with the uh, description. She- totally stole that car (laughs) and uh, the last uh, part of the description says jean prepares to say goodbye to his father unquote oh that's heartbreaking just to read um so this is uh if i'm uh incorrect uh, let me know but i think this is going to be the penultimate episode of supergirl season three it's going to be a chance to say that word a lot. And I'm very excited about it. Next week's podcast is just going to be us saying the word penultimate a whole bunch of times. You don't get to say it very much. So we're going to have to capitalize on it, Morgan. This is our moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is our time. Um, so in this description, what uh, what has you most looking forward to next week? I am very excited to learn more about Selena's nefarious plans for Earth. Uh, I'm just more excited. I'm just very excited about Selena in general. Like, what what's her deal? Why she's so evil? I want to know more. I want to see her interact with Thomas Coville. I think this is Thomas yes. Coville's like 
big dream. This is his time to shine. <laughs> this is his, this is his ability to say the word penultimate. <laughs> this is everything in his life has been leading up to this moment where he is encountering this evil Kryptonian witch. Uh, I don't I don't see things going well for him though. No, I feel I feel like Selena might turn on him. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see. I think Selena is what I'm most excited about next week. But oh, that Jean Mirren stuff is probably gonna that's gonna be tough. I'm gonna have to make sure I have some tissues available just in case things uh, go south. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens on Argo City. But man, I'm excited about Selena. That's going to be good stuff. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.